Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden, New York City. And there's a lot I want to get into. I want to talk about the cartels and how they get ignored and their tight relationship with China. But I also want to talk about how Democrats have always hated everybody else. They hate other people. It's almost like they're fixated on hate. Now, listen. They used to hate blacks. Now they hate you. And anyone that disagrees, like conservative Republicans or anyone else that opposes or challenges their agenda, they're driven by this thirst for power and hate. Their leadership and the fringe, they're a very hateful group. If you don't believe in their radical climate agenda, you're the enemy. If you don't believe in their thought process on gender and sexuality, you're the enemy. If you dare question things that are going on in our government, you're the enemy. If you don't like the idea of your child being taught about race or gender in kindergarten through first grade or second grade, third grade, you're the enemy. And they will go as far as getting the federal government, the Department of Justice, to label you as a domestic terrorist if you're a parent that dares to speak up at a school board meeting. Now, it's my opinion that they're motivated by power, but they're driven by hate. So it's no wonder they go to any length to stop you. It's no wonder that they'll usurp and uh, shred the, the Constitution, the rule of law, all things good and holy, just so that they can win. But I will submit to you that I don't think that it's all Democrats that believe this and think this way. It's not all Democrats that behave this way. I think this is the emidepic of hate that is raging through the fringe far left of the Democrat party. And it's taken root and it's spreading, but it hasn't infected everyone, at least not yet. Perhaps it's time for an intervention. Perhaps it's time for us to say, yeah, basta, no mas. And Democrats and our, our friends that are Democrats, we need to look at each other and they need to look amongst themselves with their fellow Democrat friends who may have lost their way and sip that Marxist Kool-Aid and tell them, hey, listen, knock it off. It reminds me of when I was a kid. My dad would tell me with just a look and I would know to stop. But if he had to go further, he would say, mira, cool it. That was it. I knew. All right. He means he means business. And if he were in a good mood, he would ask. He'd be diplomatic. He would say, oye, macho, cool it. Understood? <laughs> you know, things were different back then. But it seems that collectively we've lost our way as a nation. And individually, many of us are still on track and we need to help our neighbor, our fellow man, our fellow American. The other day I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw a video of a kid on a bike and an older gentleman who was seated in the outdoor dining section with a woman. 
and another gentleman uh, at a table, like a sidewalk cafe type of thing. And the gentleman with the white hair, he's an older guy, he observes these two young, uh, yeah, I'm going to call them young men, but they were like teenagers, 14, 15, 16. They're riding their bikes on the sidewalk. And you could see from the look on the gentleman's face, because the video seemed to be taken by the kids on the bikes, this guy was concerned. Now, perhaps they were coming too fast, and it looked like he was, they were going to hit his table. So he gets up, and, and he tells the first boy, hey, you need to ride on the, on, the, on the street, not the sidewalk. Then his wife gets up, and she puts her chair in the middle of the sidewalk so as to prevent them, and so they can't pass or hit anybody else that's dining al fresco there at this sidewalk cafe. And the second boy defiantly tells the old man that he will beat him up if he didn't get out of the way. Now, I'm thinking... Wow, this is crazy. The old man is fuming because he just can't fit it inside his head that these kids would want to ride through the outdoor dining section of a restaurant on their bicycles and be so rude once they were corrected. And that's where the video ends. Now, my immediate you know, gut check reaction was, thank God for an old man like this one. He's got the guts to stand up to these kids that so many people don't know to do or don't care to do. And these kids don't know better sometimes. And I'm saying this as a father of a 16-year-old and a 20-year-old. I could see myself getting frustrated if my kids did something silly like this and someone spoke to them that forcefully. But I think to myself, I'd probably get mad at both of them, right? Mad at my kids for not having the common sense to ride in the street when they see people sitting down eating. And mad at the old guy for getting as forceful as he was. But of course, I'm the dad of daughters. And I guess, I don't know if that matters or not. But I think this guy stood his ground. He was rough around the edges, but he did the right thing. And ultimately, he wouldn't have done anything if these kids didn't come parading through, zooming through on their bikes as, as the video showed that they were. So it occurred to me to think, this guy did what he had to do. These kids had that yelling coming to them. Maybe the guy could have been nicer, but he was an OG, you know, original gangster, right? I'm going to call him an original grandpa. Although when I refer to myself as an OG, it's originally Goldito. But that's a different story. This guy was probably from Philly or from New York based on his demeanor and his accent. At least, you know, from my opinion. And sometimes I think we need people like this to be direct, to let us know what exactly we're doing and why it's wrong. Because when we're coddled, we continue to make the same mistakes. People need to know what's right and what's wrong. So I'm glad this old man stood up for his family, for himself, for everybody in that cafe, and I think more Americans need to be like that. So I was scrolling some more, and I went through the comments on this video, and to my chagrin, and I don't usually use that word, but I think it's funny, to my chagrin, the majority of the comments I saw were attacking the old man for being some sort of supremacist, that he was abusing his white privilege going after other people's kids, and we don't even know what color these kids were. But for all intent and purposes, it seemed like they were white as well. But they were acting with this sense of entitlement. So if he acted as if he owned the sidewalk and treated these boys poorly, I could understand that criticism. But I should note that both boys, again, are seemingly not anything other than white based on, you know, it just sounded like they were white kids in a white neighborhood. So in a situation like this, what do you do? So that's why I'm giving you some of this context. I think every few comments that I looked and I kept scrolling, was one in defense of the man saying that, you know, we've lost our way, we've lost our common sense, what's happening in this country? But the majority of these comments were from people that were really upset with this, that, you know, how dare this old man tell these kids what to do? And one of the commenters 
from looking at the little circle avatar profile picture that you could see who's making these comments, uh, seemed to me that a lot of these people were my age or older that were supporting the old man. And most of the people thought the kids should ride through the sidewalk at top speed, and that's okay. They were younger. And again, I'm 43. I'll be 44 next month. So it seems to me, at least, that common courtesy and respect for one's elders has dissipated amongst the younger generation, as has the very common idea that once existed since the beginning of time that there are predominantly men and women and the occasional eunuch, right? Because that seems to be something else that's in question today. Now, these kids all come from the Obama generation, a time where I would say the most significant damage to this country was done other than maybe the 1960s when the radicals were doing their thing. And these Obama babies, like AOC, all out crazy, our least favorite commerce from the Bronx and Queens, they went to their college and they fell in love with their Marxism and for the most part have become radicals today. Maybe they're not activist radicals, but they're radicals in their hearts because this is what they know. They're hateful, they're entitled, they're arrogant, they're activists at times, and they'll stop at nothing until they achieve some part of their unachievable utopian agenda. They live for the fight, not for the victory. It's a funny thing because sometimes I just say, ah, listen, I I do radio. I'm just here for the smoke, (laughs) meaning, you know, I'm here to, to watch the fight. I'm here for the provocative conversation. But these people are here for the fight, not even for the victory. Some of the purists think they can achieve it, but most of them are just here for the fight. They're just here to hate on on the other side, to oppose you, to just be a thorn in your side. They're motivated by hate for the system. Now, whatever that system is, whether it's the Constitution, our founding, capitalism, the environment, whatever, they hate it and they want to destroy it. And some of them actually want to rebuild it the way they choose to, because that's what radicals do. So if you're listening to this and you're one of those people that says we need to destroy America and our capitalist system in order to rebuild it, you are one of them. And I encourage you to check yourself. Ask yourself, am I being guided by a love for my country or by the thrill of destruction that's motivated by hate? We already know which side the far left radicals are on. We already know what they want to do. They want to destroy America the way that we've always known it. And they want to rebuild it in this utopian dream like they've done in Oregon, like they've done in Washington, like they've done in San Francisco, New York City, just to name a few. So the question is, how much are you willing to sacrifice to stop that agenda? Are you willing to pull your kids out of public school? Are you willing to end a career where you're vested and lose your pension and lose your paycheck? Are you willing to pick up your family and move directly into a war zone to be a political missionary of sorts? Because that's what they're doing. And until those that oppose the radical left and their hateful agenda play hardball at that same level like they do, we're not going to make the same progress that they do. And we can't compete at the same level. And this is why they're flipping red states into blue states. Now, AOC, all out crazy, she's going to keep campaigning in Texas until it turns purple, and eventually until it turns blue. What are we doing? And millions of radicals like her, they're going to do it in every single red state in this country because they have a mission and they're willing to forego having children and even getting married to complete that mission. They're not like us that want to be left alone so that we can enjoy our families. Their mission is to complete their agenda and destroy us, to destroy our way of life, and destroy our families in the process. 
So we have to ask ourselves, are the brave first responders like firefighters that run toward fires and our cops that run towards gunfights and our military that runs towards the enemy and our faithful United States citizens like each and every one of you that's listening right now, are we going to tackle this evil agenda? Are we going to show up at the school board meetings and run for the school board, donate to the people that are running for the school board and help collect signatures so that people can spend a few nights a week organizing to win elections? Are we going to get our kids involved in organizing locally? Because if we don't, we already know what the result is going to be. It's just a matter of time. So I think the time has come now for all of us to be that tough old man at that sidewalk cafe and tell these kids, get off the damn sidewalk and do the right thing. Anyway, don't move a muscle. More to come straight ahead. I am Rich Valdez. We're just getting started. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here in New York City. And uh, get me on social media, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. I want to hear your uh, commentary. I want to hear your opinions. Um, Give me some feedback. Let me know how I'm doing on the show here. And, of course, please subscribe to the podcast as well. You can do that wherever you get podcasts or subscribe to iHeartRadio. But I want to talk about what we've already uh, discussed and build on something from there, which is we've, we've gotten into how this hatred fueled the radical left and how they, the way they treat people that protest against them, uh, even what we saw protesting uh, and trespassing and walking around what they call parading, keeping these people in jail because they were at the Capitol on January 6th with no end date, just for simply being there at the rally. We've seen what happened to police officer Kim Potter, who not only lost her job and her pension potentially when she was criminally tried and convicted for an accidental shooting, but now a nurse has been convicted of two felonies for an accidental uh, injection 
that has led to a fatality. And I'm not advocating for any of these cases, honestly, because this is an interesting perspective. I think we just haven't been at this bridge before because I, I don't know if this is as black and white as it may seem to be or as open and shut as we might think it is. But there is nuance to everything. And I want to get into this story about the nurse, because my question overall is, is this accountability or is this an attack on culture? Because a nurse being arrested and convicted for making a dosing error that killed someone, no question, that did happen. But I want to know. So I want you to join me on this topic so we can break it down. And um, who's joining me? Well, that's me, myself, and I, of course, that's joining me on the show here. So some of you might remember that uh, Kim Potter went through this with the grabbing the taser instead of, or grabbing her pistol instead of grabbing the taser. And there were lots of questions at the time. Many people were saying, do we lock up the doctors and nurses that make mistakes when they kill people? Of course not. Then we shouldn't be locking up the cops. Well, now doctors and nurses are killing people or, you know, that do kill people from medical error and whatnot. Now they're ending up in handcuffs. And that's no longer the case. Hence why I ask, is this accountability or an attack on our culture or an attack on our society as we know it in the name of bringing about change? Should professionals that make mistakes on the job be held accountable criminally if someone dies? Now, mind you, we've had doctors and nurses for hundreds of years, and it's only now that we're prosecuting them when a mistake is being made. I have also known and observed that we've had police for hundreds of years, and it's only now that we're criminally prosecuting police for making a lethal mistake. So why the sudden change? Is it the left? Is it their radical agenda? Maybe. But I want you to listen to this audio because to me, when I heard it, I just thought, man, this is chilling. What is the jury's verdict? We, the jury, find the defendant, Redonda Leanne Fault, guilty of criminally negligent homicide. So I honestly can't tell you. I don't know what this is about. I think losing one's license is definitely sufficient and appropriate. There were nurses wall to wall in the hallway of the courtroom, and they were all saying the same thing, that her livelihood was taken away. What more were you going to do? Again, this was a mistake. So do you charge someone civilly? Do you levy a lawsuit? Great. No problem. That's why they have malpractice insurance. The question really becomes now, are you going to prosecute people criminally when they make these mistakes? And I guess it goes to proving intent. It also goes to the question I have is, if I'm walking down the street, and this has happened to me, I was going to this bodega once around the corner from the State House in Trenton, little Puerto Rican spot where I used to buy my lunch, and I was walking there, and I see a woman across the street, a junkie, who was, I guess, trying to eat a hoagie sandwich while she had, you know, just injected some heroin, and she was very unstable and, like, rocking black, uh, back and forth while she was sitting on the curb, and she started choking on this sandwich. And I saw it from across the street inside the store. And I was in the back of the store. And I saw her doing that universal sign for choking. And she had her hands on her neck. So, you know, I kind of walked a little closer just to see if she was just choking or was this a real thing. And again, 15, 20 seconds go by. And she's clearly trying to dislodge a piece of this dry sandwich. I guess it didn't have enough mayonnaise. And she was not able to swallow this thing. So I go over there and, you know, I say, hey, you all right? She shakes her head. No, she grabs her throat like she's choking. And I grabbed her and put her in the Heimlich maneuver. She coughed it up and then she went right back down, you know, didn't even say thank you. She just was super high on, uh, I'm guessing it was heroin. But my point was, had something gone wrong, 
typically I'm protected under a good Samaritan law. Where's the good Samaritan law for these professionals? Now, I guess you could make the argument because they're professionals, we shouldn't give them that benefit of the doubt that they were just trying to do their best. But I would argue the exact opposite and say, of course, they were trying to do their best. That's what professionals do. And they just do a better job of it than we do because they're professionals. Anyway, I don't know. I'd love for you to weigh in on this. I'd love to know your thoughts on it because it's a crazy topic. At Rich Valdez with an S is my social media. Let me know what's going on. And there's another story in the dailycaller.com. This is from a week ago, and I didn't get to share it a week ago, so I held it on the side because I wanted to share it with you guys. A woman gets $5.25 million after a doctor used his own sperm to impregnate her. And it makes you think, now, is that malpractice? No, that's malfeasance totally different thing. This guy should be the one that's getting charged criminally. Yet, I don't know that he did. And this happened in Vermont. The Vermont jury awarded a Florida woman over $5 million in damages after she accused her doctor of impregnating her with his own sperm during an artificial insemination procedure. The plaintiff, her name's Cheryl Rousseau, she received $250,000 in compensatory damages and a whopping $5 million in punitive damages from Dr. John Coates III, and that's according to NBC News. Dr. Coates used his own sperm rather than the donors to impregnate Miss Rousseau since her husband wasn't able to provide sperm because he had an irreversible vasectomy. And here's a quote. The complaint brings several causes of action, including medical malpractice, breach of contract, fraud, battery, and a claim under the Vermont Consumer Protection Act, according to the lawsuit. The artificial insemination was conducted in March of 1977 to give Rousseau a child. The family discovered what occurred later on when their grown daughter went searching for information about her biological father through DNA testing, which determined that Coates was the sperm donor, according to the report from the AP. So now Celeste Laramie, excuse me, um, take two, let's try that again. Celeste Laramie, Rousseau's attorney, claimed that Coates testified under oath in 2019 at his deposition that he had not used his own sperm in this medical insemination process, but admitted that he had used his own sperm after he was caught out there and DNA confirmed, like Maury would say, that he was the father. Wow, that's crazy. So my question here is, what happens to a guy like this? What are the consequences that happen, right? This guy, apparently, uh, he's retired, and his Vermont medical practice is no longer because... The medical board revoked his license in February. But guess what? He's doing these things on purpose. That wasn't an accident. It wasn't like he tripped, slipped, and all of a sudden inseminated this woman by accident. The other woman, the nurse we just spoke about, she did do it by accident. The guy had a brain bleed and responded the wrong way. She's getting charged criminally, and this guy just loses his license. And she's white. So let's not say, you know, they're doing it to the black man or the brown person. They're both white. So race, I don't think, has anything to do with this. It just has to do with what's going on. This guy does the wrong thing, doesn't get charged. She makes a mistake. She does get charged. What is going on in this world? Where are we at? I don't know. But anyway, I think it's important for us to have these conversations, have these discussions, because otherwise we don't get anywhere as a society. We need to know kind of what's what and who's who. And that's why I appreciate your input. Make sure you get at me at Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And I also want to encourage you to check out JustFacts.com. JustFacts.com is where I go for all of my facts, all of my reports. J. 
James Agresti, the president there, he is committed to using what they call primary source data. And that primary source data means he's not using somebody else's data. They're generating this data to check the facts and give you everything like it is. And they have some amazing work ranging from COVID to Hunter Biden to what's going on across the world. So much factual information. You want to go there right now. Justfacts.com. Justfacts.com slash rich is where you would go to get your free newsletter. It's absolutely free, and they'll send you the reports at no charge. Justfacts.com slash rich. Don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. In times like these, it's so important that we focus on the facts. I always tell you to focus on the facts. I think you hear that everywhere you go, and that's because facts are irrefutable. It's the bottom line. It's the real deal. And in times like this of uncertainty, we need to rely on the facts. I get my facts from JustFacts.com. That's F-A-C-T-S, JustFacts.com. Go to JustFacts.com and sign up for their newsletter. JustFacts.com forward slash rich. Just put my name in there and you'll get it for free. JustFacts.com slash rich. The 45th president, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. Yeah. an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And welcome back. We're halfway through the show, and I want to make sure that I'm not forgetting anything. I have so much I want to talk about today, and unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to be able to get to it. So I might have to do a part two. It might be the first ever part two because I try to keep the show under one hour so that it fits into an hour of radio. You know, plus you have to make room for commercials. So about 42 to 44 minutes is typically the sweet spot. I used to keep it to about 30, but... Um, I just couldn't get everything in on time, so I had to add a little bit more time. But I want to talk about um, what's going on. Over last weekend, right, you had El Jefe, El Presidente, Donaldus Magnus. He did his rally, and I thought that was terrific, and we're going to play some audio from that. But then just yesterday, this week, you've got Joe El Baboso Biden getting upstaged by none other than Barack Hussein Obama. Not only is he weak to the American people, but he's even seen as weak to Barack Obama because he got upstaged by Obama's recent visit to the White House this week. He's always going to have that former president cachet. So you got to be smart about these things, Joe. But that's what he did. But now, do you remember when Donaldus Magnus El Trompito, the 45th president of these United States, when he said this about Joe Biden? Take a listen. Make money from China. You do. I don't make money from Ukraine. You do. I don't make money from Russia. You made three and a half million dollars, Joe. And your son gave you. They even have a statement that we have to give 10% to the big man. You're the big man, I think. 10% for the big guy. Uh oh. <laughs> Trump continues to wreck Joe Baboso Biden. And everything he does, that, that was from a throwback from a while back. But this is what he had to say at the rally this past weekend. Listen to this. You ever see Biden when he says, it's great to be with the people of Ohio? No, no, you're in Michigan. No, no. Or he's in Florida. And he says, it's great to be with the people of Iowa. No, no, no. They're palm trees out there. They don't have palm trees. Here. Then he says, 
This is a beautiful Sunday afternoon to be with. No, no, no. This is Saturday. You ever see Biden? And that, of course, is President Trump at his rally in Michigan this weekend. And, of course, Biden's not alone here. He's had a few things to say himself. He's explained early on, right? We had a throwback of Trump, so we're going to have a throwback of Biden. He explained very early on why gas was going to cost more in his administration. But then he realized he could eventually blame Putin for everything. But this is Biden on the campaign trail. This is classic. Listen to this one. No more subsidies for fossil fuel industry. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. Ends. Number one. Rex, the secretary. Now, that was him making it extremely clear before he was president. Now this is him once he's become president. Interior. To stop issuing new oil and gas leases on public lands and, offshore, and in offshore waters. thousand troops on the Ukrainian border. The price of gasoline in January went up 75 cents. Now, of course, now he's like, hey, guess what? Even though it's raised over a dollar, a dollar fifty on my watch because of my detrimental policies on energy, I'm going to blame Putin because Putin's everybody's favorite bad guy. Now, that doesn't mean Putin isn't a bad guy. He is. But when you could just blame everything on Putin, why not? They, they did it to Trump over the last four years. Why not now do it to Putin? Make no mistake, inflation is largely the fault of Putin. Gas didn't cause this problem. Vladimir Putin did. And we're and we are working on to fix it. It doesn't look like Americans are falling for that talking point. No, it does not. I think people are smarter than the average bear. People realize what's going on and they're like, hey, Joe El Baboso Biden. No, thank you. I'm not interested. And of course, when I call him El Baboso, that means the bumbling one. Right. That's Spanish for somebody who's always bumbling his words. Now, and drooling, if you want to get quite technical, because, you know, he looks like he might be a drooler. But, of course, Biden has been the punchline of jokes forever. I mean, I think back to 2014 when he was um, vice president and Joel McHale roasted him at a White House correspondence dinner as Barack Obama laughingly looked on. Listen to this one. The vice president isn't here tonight, not for security reasons. He just thought this event was being held at the Dulles Airport Applebee's. <laughs> yes, right now, Joe is elbow deep in jalapeno poppers and talking to a construction cone he thinks is John Boehner. <laughs> also true. Um, it's crazy to think that Joe Biden is only one heartbeat away from no one taking him seriously as president. <laughs> Sorry for that one. Biden will likely be running for president in 2016, saying, and I quote, there's no obvious reason not to. He talks about his motivation for a presidential run as if he's deciding to finish a meatball hoagie. <laughs> hey, it's there, isn't it? Look, all I'm saying, if the bread is toasty and the cheese is warm, I'm going to finish that thing. Jill, bring me my hoagie bib. The vice president. Okay. Well, it seems that this is nothing new. People haven't taken him seriously for a while, but he was able to use his political craftiness and gamesmanship to score a win only because he went against weak candidates like Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. Hmm. And now here he is again getting ridiculed in his own White House as he's president. But Barack Obama decides to come in and uh, uh, let me be clear. And he decides to call him Vice President Biden. Listen to this. Thank you very much. Woo! 
Kelsey. Thank you. Vice President Biden. Vice President. <laughs> that was a joke. That was all set up. Yeah, right. My president, Joe Biden. Vice President Harris. <laughs> I don't think anybody really thought it was funny. They just went along with it because, hey, it was Obama and he's like royalty to the left. He's royalty to the Democrats. So they say, hey, you know what? We're going to go along with it. But in reality, he got dissed in his own White House. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. I want to jump into a couple of more stories before they wrap this thing up. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. This is America. Para Inglés, o primal número dos. Para Rich Valdez. Y esto es America. Ahora. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. Thank you for tuning in. If you're tuning in on 1210 WPHT, thank you for that. Everybody listening in Philly, if you're listening on iHeartRadio across America, coast to coast, from New York to California, big audience in Texas, big audience in Florida, thank you for that as well. Everybody that's listening across the country, thank you. Uh, make sure you chime in. Let me know where you're calling from, or I should say listening from when you get at me on social media, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez, Drop me a tweet or a Facebook or an Instagram comment or something like that so I know that you're out there and I do appreciate it. Every comment helps, believe it or not. It's always important for me to, to know what you guys are thinking and to know if, you know, if, if I actually have my finger on the pulse. So I do appreciate you. And despite my curtness and rudeness at times because I'm in a rush or this and that, I actually do love each and every one of you that listens to this program. Without you, we don't have a program. And that's why I always love to hear your feedback, the five-star reviews, all the reviews that you put on your podcast app or wherever you put them. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, I want to talk about a different topic now, a text message that I got. And obviously, the overarching topic is gender. But I got a text message with a TikTok video from a dear friend of mine. She's actually the wife of a dear friend of mine, but she in and of herself is a dear friend of mine. I was friends with her and him both since high school. And uh, it was great because it gave me an idea to look at things from a different angle, which I love to do. And I listened to this tip -top, uh, excuse me, tip -top, TikTok video, and I want you to hear some of it, and then we'll talk about it. Good morning, Gabby. Hi, Preston. Kate. Katie, what are you wearing? What do you mean, miss? Well, that shirt, it's a tank top. You know that's not allowed. Allowed for who? Katie, it clearly states in our dress code that girls... Oh, Miss DeSanti, you know my dad's a lawyer, first of all. Well, with that new parental rights and education bill that our governor just passed, which some are calling the don't say gay bill, I don't think you're allowed to discuss my uh, sexual orientation or gender. All right, I'll stop it right there. And I'm going to say that I think this is interesting, but I don't think it's actual. And I, obviously, this is a parody. This woman is pay, playing both roles. She's making a point here. But I'm saying when my kids went to school, the rules were never boys and girls. Uh, I, I do remember maybe years ago they would say for girls, no spaghetti straps and for boys, no tank tops. But the rule was always no shoulders. You couldn't show your shoulders. You couldn't wear shorts that were beyond the length of your fingertip. 
um, you know, in terms of being uh, above the knee. And it had nothing to do with gender. So if you were a boy wearing Daisy Dukes or if you were a girl wearing Daisy Dukes, either way, they were not appropriate. I would even venture to say that if you're a boy wearing Daisy Dukes, they're probably less appropriate, right? Because there might be some things that are on display that shouldn't be. But I found this interesting because... There's a lot of topic uh, of discussion that's going on saying, oh, the don't say gay bill. And obviously, uh, being a reactionary, immediately I say, look, it doesn't even say that in the bill. And we're all saying that. And that's fantastic. But that's not necessarily what they're saying. They're saying that they can't say gay. They're saying, I can't tell a student that I'm gay, that I went to a, a gay leather club over the weekend. I can't tell a student that I'm married to a dude or I'm married to a woman because these gay teachers want to share their lives. And my argument has been, I don't care what you want to share. I, I didn't know anything about my teachers growing up. I have a teacher friend, take two. I have a teacher that's now a Facebook friend of mine who was my sixth or uh, seventh and eighth grade English teacher, taught me how to give a speech and was a great guy, Gary Jaworski. I hope he doesn't mind me shouting him out. And he was terrific. And I never knew until he, he was my Facebook friend, you know, 20 or 25 years after I had sat in his classroom, what his wife looked like, what he, what he does on the weekends, that he goes hiking, anything, because he kept it professional in the classroom. It was about him, his knowledge, and imparting that knowledge and wisdom to me. So, again, I'm just using myself as an example and my upbringing, my experiences. So to say that you know, you're somehow violating gay rights because you're protecting parental rights or the rights of children is an utter absurdity to me. But the fact that you have the White House, uh, Jen Circleback Pasaki, silent P, of course, pushing for minors to undergo body mutilation through surgery to erase women's sports and for late-term abortions, even in terms of aborting a baby after it's born, which begs the question, what are we doing here, folks? This isn't, oh, I got pregnant, I made a mistake, which, again, I don't condone either. But what I am saying is, you know, if you want to make it about lifestyle choices and rights and whatnot, this is outright, the baby's been alive for four days, I've decided I don't want him anymore. Let's kill him. Who wins here? Definitely not that baby. Whose rights are honored? Definitely not that baby. What are you going to say? He's a blob of cells four days after he's been out of his mother's womb? This is my point. This is why I stand by this Texas heartbeat bill. And this isn't a segment on on a uh, abortion. This is a segment on all the craziness that's going on with this gender stuff, because we have to stop for a second and say, look, your clever talking points may be clever, but we have to come back to reality at some point and realize that that video. And I wish I had the audio available right now. I'd play it. But it's of a dad. He's at a school board meeting and he's saying, hey, look, what is really going on when you're putting a tampon dispensary machine in the boy's bathroom. I think most people initially react to that by saying, well, boys don't need tampons. And his argument was that you're altering reality. The other side's argument is that, well, you know what? If my daughter, natural born biological female, decides in 11th grade or 12th grade or 8th grade or 4th grade, God forbid, uh, that decides that she wants to be a boy, then she has to be able to dress as a boy, live her life as a boy, and go to the boy's restroom and she has to have access to tampons there because that's only right, sir. That's only right, ma'am. But this is where they are. And I think it's absolute insanity. Like, I think legit it's craziness. The way the media covers it is craziness. The way people behave about it is craziness. I mean, it's almost as if I were to tell you we have a situation here where you have um, a congressman 
who's dating a, a prostitute, a male prostitute, and he brings him to live in his house, and in their house they run a brothel in Washington, D.C. You would say, oh my gosh, Rich, but now you're making up these crazy outlandish things. Actually, no, right? Headline from the Oklahoman Congressional Callboy, 12 noon, August 28th, 1989. The sleaze in Washington has sunk to a new low with the revelation that Rep. Barney Frank, Democrat in Massachusetts, employed a male prostitute who sold sex from the congressman's Capitol Hill apartment. He also hired him officially as his driver. And this is a story, we'll go into it a little bit later, and maybe I'll share the link, because this isn't about this. It was about how this actually happened, and nobody knows and nobody cares. Because it's outlandish, and it's like, ah, whatever. Keep it moving. And that's not really how that works in real life. I think we need to know about these things. We need to care about these things. We need government officials that are going to stand up when parents say and do crazy things in the name of being rebellious. Like this one mom who decided to say, you know what, my baby's only months old, but this is a gay baby. Check this out. My baby is gay. Yeah, this is him. He's gay. I called up my dad and I said, hey, guess what? Your grandson? Gay. Gay, gay, gay. My dad says, you can't just say that your baby is gay before he gets a chance to tell us he's gay. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Straight people do it all the time. Little baby boy is born. Oh, he's gonna be a heartbreaker. Little baby girl is born. Oh, you better lock her up when she turns 16. Clearly, people want their children to be straight. No, ma'am. Clearly, people expect their children to be straight because that's the natural order of things. It's the way God intended it to be. Now, of course, you're up in arms right now. How could you say that? Because my friend's kid is gay and you're going to say that's not God's doing? Sure. Can't we disagree? If you want to say, I'm going to say, God didn't make the mistake. The kid made the mistake. Now, listen, there's a lot of reasons behind this and it's very controversial. And people, whenever I talk about this, I always lose a friend somewhere. But I can tell you, I was a barber. And when you're a barber, people open up to you like you would not believe. You would think it's like being a therapist or a bartender. They just pour out everything. And I had so many clients that would confess to me that they were gay and tell me why and how it happened. And I'm going to tell you, in 100% of the scenarios of people that actually shared this with me, I'm not saying it's 100% of everybody that exists, but those that shared it with me, they had all had some sort of abusive a molesting encounter with an older cousin, an uncle, a cousin, a neighbor, you know, somebody close that they trusted, uh, after school teacher, or a priest, as when they were an altar boy, whatever the case may be. Somebody always showed them these feelings, showed them that it was okay to become aroused at the hand of another man, blah, blah, blah. One, they were very young, typically prepubescent. This is called grooming. This is called rape. This is called disgusting. And if you grow up because you think that's natural because you liked it because you were a little kid and I guess I must like men because you got screwed up by this monster, I'm not faulting you, but I'm saying it's wrong and it's bad. Same thing happens with young girls that are raped. Sometimes they become nymphomaniacs because sex is very common to them in an odd way because it happened so young and it was a part of a traumatic experience, but it's what they know. 
And I'm not a doctor. Maybe I'll bring one on. I have somebody in mind that I could bring on to kind of explain this phenomena better. But my point is, it doesn't change the fact that it's male and female, boy and girl. That's just how it is. Just because there's a big push for transgenders today doesn't mean that it's actually right. It doesn't mean that 15 years ago it wasn't considered a mental illness and now it's some sort of uh, something that we should celebrate and laud as great and courageous. So just hold on to that and chew on that for a minute. I want to play this one clip of audio to you uh, before I go because it's Mark Robinson, the lieutenant governor of North Carolina, and I think he said it best at church, keeping it real. Listen to this. If there's a movement in this country that is demonic and that is full of the spirit of antichrist, it is the transgender movement. I don't care because it's time for us to stand up. Now, I'm not afraid to stand up and tell the truth about that issue. They're dragging our kids down into the pit of hell, trying to teach them that mess in our schools. Tell you like this, that ain't got no place at no school. Two plus two don't equal transgender. It equals four. You need to get back to teaching them how to read instead of teaching them how to go to hell. Amen to that. I was going to say pastor, but that's Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. God bless him for speaking his truth, and it's the truth, in my opinion, because we need more people to get out there and put themselves in that vulnerable position where we don't go, yeah, mm, oh, yeah, oh, sure, yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah, trans ally here. Look, I'm not against you being ill. I am against calling that which is illness as something that I must be forced to accept and that my children must be forced to accept and younger children must be forced to accept that now, you know, you meet kids that are eight, nine, 10 years old and they're like, oh yeah, so-and-so in my class is bi, the other one's trans. These are things I didn't know until way later in life. And this is wrong. It's a perversion of our children. It's the robbing of their innocence and it's just plain old wrong. Now, call me old-fashioned. Call me what you want. You're going to do it anyway. So do it on Twitter where you usually do. I get lots of hate there, and I don't mind. I'll read it all. I might even respond to some of it. But typically, my rule is don't feed the animals because they'll come back. Anyway, hasta la próxima. Until the next time, that's all we've got time for today. But you have to stand for something because if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. That's from Hamilton. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So take a page from Lieutenant Governor Robinson's playbook and do what you got to do and say what you got to say. Until the next time, America, I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.